When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Monday the 2nd of October. I'm Tim Spears and today we're asking... Are Spurs title contenders? We'll see maybe halfway through the season if they're still there. I think we can have more of a discussion about Spurs being title contenders. Can VAR be fixed? I think there's growing opinion among people that they should just get rid of the whole thing and and try and go back to how we once were. And how low can Manchester United go? United just aren't really creating enough and when they do create chances, they're not taking them. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Tim Spears. We've got a packed show today which also features the start of the WSL season. But we'll start with some things you may have missed across Europe at the weekend, including Jude Bellingham scoring yet again for Real Madrid. By Gatsenegger, it falls to Bellingham! It's another goal for Jude Bellingham who started off the attack and finishes it off emphatically. That came as they beat previously unbeaten Girona 3-0 to stay top of the La Liga table. Meanwhile, former Real Madrid man Sergio Ramos scored the winner for Barcelona with an own goal that was for his new team Sevilla and that one finished 1-0. Harry Kane also scored yet again his ninth for Bayern Munich already as they drew 2-2 at RB Leipzig. Bayern are two points behind the early leaders who are Xabi Alonso's Bayer Leverkusen. Elsewhere Lautaro Martinez scored all four for Inter Milan. Lautaro Martinez in the middle. Lautaro Martinez chipped ahead and there it is. And he was only a substitute as they beat Salernitana 4-0 to stay top of Serie A. And in France, Monaco were the new leaders after beating Marseille 3-2. PSG drew 0-0 at Clermont and are fifth after what is their worst start for 13 years. But the biggest game of the weekend, and certainly the most controversial, was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Porro driven in by Porro! Yes, there was drama aplenty at Spurs, who scored a 96th-minute winner against nine-man Liverpool, thanks to Joel Matip's own goal. Liverpool had overcome two red cards and a perfectly good goal being disallowed, more of that later, but Matip's late blunder means Spurs are now second in the table and still unbeaten under Ange Postacoglu. So, what can the high-flying Spurs achieve this season? The Athletics tactics boffin Liam Tharn was at the game and he joins us now. Liam, it wasn't easy for Spurs against nine men. What did you make of their performance? In terms of Tottenham's performance against 10 and then nine men, uh, I think Liverpool were really, really good. Spurs had 29 crosses and were only successful with two of them. The shape change to a 4-4-1 by Liverpool gave them a really good outlet in Mohamed Salah in transition and uh, quite a few times, and one notably when Alisson caught a cross, or I think it was from a set piece, and launched a drop kick that he released him on the counter. and It took Romero to scramble back and Liverpool ended up with a throw in the final third. 
So they constantly had that threat, and the same with Luis Diaz when he was on the pitch. Um, of course, his disallowed goal, an example of that. But that was exactly what the game plan was from Liverpool to try and stop Tottenham, uh, to congest the central areas, particularly when they brought on that triple substitution and moved to a 5-3-2. I thought Spurs had some more issues. were very rushed at times in the final third when they did get space, clearly looking to try and um, you know make inroads because Liverpool were so good at congesting the space. You'll have seen some fantastic scenes of full-time. There's a real feeling of belief and momentum at Spurs. But how far do you think it can take them? Are they genuinely sort of title contenders here? I'd be very hesitant early on. Um, Of course, I think a big part of the title race is being in it early on and and not giving yourself work to do in terms of catching up. Um, Look, Manchester City, look... As good as they've ever been in, in terms of evolving tactically, I think it's it's big for Spurs to be passing these tests. They've not beaten Liverpool at this stadium before. Uh, the last time they won against them, I believe, was 12 games ago at Wembley. So to beat an opposition that have had your number for a while is important. Again, we'll see maybe halfway through the season if they're still there. I think we can have more of a discussion about Spurs being title contenders. You've also written about goal scorer Son as a number nine, sort of coming in for Harry Kane this season. He's doing pretty well. I mean, only, only Haaland scored more goals than him so far. The piece just wanted to dive in really to how they've adapted to, to losing Kane. He scored almost 43% of their league goals last season and had a really high proportion of their big chances as well. In fact, he scored the highest proportion of a team's goals in the entire league. That was more than the percentage of uh, City's goals that Haaland got. And in fact, only in two Premier League seasons in the past five years have we seen a player score a higher proportion of their team's goals. One of those was Timu Puki at Norwich and one was Danny Ings at Southampton, which with all due respect to those teams, have been bottom half or relegation scrapping teams, uh, particularly Southampton in, in recent years. So not the company that Spurs want to keep. And with Sarni, he just provides a really different type of number nine. Um, he's much more of a, a runner in behind. I mean, Postacoglu's system is, of course, very different to Conte's. Uh, it's higher possession. Uh, it's more ball dominant. But you know, Son hardly touched the ball in the first half. I think he had four touches up until the Curtis Jones red card, which is the fewest on the pitch. And uh, Richarlison was the next worst of Spurs, and even he had eight. Um, but of course, the game is not to have lots of touches on the ball, but to stand in high advanced positions, to pin the back four, to make runs in behind. Uh, and then when you do get those situations, when you do get touches on the ball, it's at those cutbacks, attacking those crosses, like he did from Richarlison to score goals. So that part was really important. And you can read Liam's tactical breakdown of Spurs' forward line on The Athletic, where you can also read our esteemed columnist Nick Miller's view on the latest VAR shambles. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. PGMOL acknowledge a significant human error occurred oh, no. during the first half of Tottenham Hotspur against Liverpool. Oh, no. The goal by Luis Diaz was disallowed for offside by the on-field team of match oh, officials. No. This was a clear and obvious factual error and should have resulted in the goal being awarded through VAR intervention. However, the VAR failed to intervene. PGMOL will conduct a full review into the circumstances which led to the error. Yes, Luis Diaz saw a perfectly legitimate goal ruled out due to what transpired was a communication error between the officials. In the VAR booth, they told referee Simon Hooper that their check was complete, indicating that the initial offside decision was correct, but Diaz was in fact clearly onside. VAR official Darren England and his assistant Dan Cook were both taken off their next matches, but that wasn't much consolation to Liverpool or Jurgen Klopp. Let's bring in our football writer Nick Miller. What did you make of what unfolded at Spurs then, Nick? Is this just the human error we're never going to get rid of? It's the kind of human error to end all human errors, isn't it? It's the sort of unbelievably incompetent mistake that that people could... You can well understand why people believe in conspiracy theories and, and whatnot because you you sort of almost don't want to believe that someone could make that 
big big of a mistake. I suppose the big surprise of the the whole thing was that Jurgen Klopp was very kind of I don't want to say magnan- magnanimous, but um, he he didn't complain about too much, presumably as he referenced because of the large number of fines he's had stacked up before for complaining about such things. I feel like VAR's taken a huge reputational hit in recent weeks. With, with with this, but also what Mike Dean was saying about an incident where he, you know, didn't elect to send his his colleague to to the screen for a, for a decision which was plainly incorrect last season. We had a bit of a low point at the moment, and and how, how do you get that trust back? While a I am kind of generally not in favour of VAR, it's, it's probably wise to kind of remember that while there are the there were these enormous high profile mistakes, and as you said, Mike Dean saying what he said. <laughs> There are a, a huge number of kind of more more minor but still significant decisions that have been kind of cleared up by VAR. You'll probably get one most games, um, but it's just these kind of hugely high-profile ones that, as you say, have, have lowered the reputation of the whole thing to such a point where... I think there's growing opinion among people that they should just get rid of the whole thing and, and try and go back to how we once were, which I don't think is going to happen, and uh, I think we'll get onto that very shortly. Yeah, you've written about this in your excellent Monday morning column, which people can read now on The Athletic. If you were given the power to fix VAR, which is a terrifying thought, but there must be some solutions here. How do you think we can not fix, but move forward from here and improve the system? I think it's very difficult to sort of fix it properly from this point. My ideal scenario would be to get rid of the whole thing and everyone just kind of acts a little bit like adults and accepts that there are going to be mistakes occasionally. But that's not going to happen. There is a. I have seen some people kind of you know mentioning this fictional golden age where in the past pre-VAR when everyone just accepted everything and uh, so it's fine. Well, oh well. Uh, mistakes happen and uh, you know there was, there was no you know every week on match of the day or whatever there was no people saying we need to bring in technology when the you know that obviously happened very very frequently so that would be my ideal scenario but that's not enormously realistic Liverpool's men's team lost in North London but Miri Taylor's goal met their women's team triumphed away at Arsenal on the opening weekend of the WSL. The game was played in front of a crowd of more than 54,000, the biggest in the competition's history. Elsewhere, Lauren James was on the score sheet as Chelsea kicked off the defence of their title with a 2-1 victory over Spurs, while there were also wins for Man City, Brighton, Leicester and Man United. Hear more about the start to the WSL season in our renamed women's football podcast, Full Time Europe, which is out today. Their women's team may have won, but for the Man United men's team, it was another miserable weekend. It's come right the way through and it's been hammered on magnificently by Joachim Anderson, brilliant finish, first time strike and Onana had no chance and it's Palace who go in front after 25 minutes. Crystal Palace, via Joachim Anderson's stunning volley, inflicted United's fourth defeat in seven matches, making this their worst start to a season since 1989. They finished 13th that season, but how low are they going to slip this year? Let's speculate with United correspondent Laurie Whitwell. Laurie, take as long as you need with this one. What on earth is going on? Yeah, big question. I mean, four defeats out of seven in the Premier League for United the first time. That's happened. The worst start in 34 years, uh, you know, with a minus four goal difference and, and nine points after seven games. Um, yeah, it, it's, it feels pretty bleak. And to be honest, the performances aren't exactly 
uh, anything different than what the results are, are telling us. Um, you know, I think Crystal Palace were were fine. You know, they, they got a really good goal through Joe Chim Anderson, um, but it wasn't like they had to, you know, defend with every sinew. Yeah, there were some blocks, and I think Roy Hodgson was right to commend their defensive display. But it wasn't like they had to play unbelievably to come away from Old Trafford with a win, which is kind of the what we've got into now. Um, yeah, United just aren't really creating enough. Um, and when they do create chances, they're not taking them. So it's a bit of a, a difficult situation. Um, yeah, I don't know how you turn it around quickly just because the players that are out there, th- there's not loads of alterations that Ten Hag can make. So it's uh, it's quite a concerning time. I guess the players who are on the field just aren't reaching their previous standards as well, really. Does, does Ten Hag still exude confidence that he's the man to, to fix all this? Yeah, he certainly portrays a positive demeanour. I mean, I guess you have to, don't you, in this situation? I suppose he can reflect back on a periods last season when it felt like United were in a in a bad way, um, and and United responded well and, and went on winning streaks, um, and that's what he obviously needs to try and put together now. Yeah, I think Ten Hag will be looking at the situation, thinking he really needs to grind out a few performances. I, I don't think the hopes of him uh, applying attacking attractive football to United um, are relevant right now. I think it's all about uh, all about results over performances. And next up, it's well another Palace link with Wilf Sahar and Galatasaray on on Tuesday. Um, so Anthony's back in training. I mean, so he might feature in this one. Yeah, I think he's in contention for a squad place at least. I mean, it's been a few weeks since he played. Um, so the Arsenal game away, uh, that was his last appearance for United. But yeah, he trained on Saturday. So yeah, I think Ten Hag will look at that. And, and if he's, I mean, he spoke about his mental mentality needing to be right. If he's physically right, I think he. I'm sure he'll be in the squad and maybe even featuring because uh, Facundo Pellistri has been sort of deputising at right wing. I think he's a an interesting player, but more as a impact sub off the bench, uh, not necessarily to start a game such as this. So I think Tenar will be keen to get Anthony back in his side sooner rather than later. You can hear more from Laurie about United's woes in the latest episode of Talk of the Devils, which is out now. Both Manchester clubs lost in Saturday 3pm games for the first time in 10 years, but Manchester City's defeat at Wolves was far more unexpected. It was their first loss of the season, although they remained top of the table, one point ahead of Spurs. Chelsea will look to climb to the heady heights of 11th tonight if they can beat West London rivals Fulham at Craven Cottage. The Blues need to score a goal to do that though, something they haven't managed in their last three games. You can watch the match on Sky Sports at 8pm or at 3pm Eastern Time in the States on USA Network and we'll have all the reaction in tomorrow's Daily Football Briefing. Right, that's all for today. Thank you for listening. I've been Tim Spears, your producer was Mike Zimmerman and executive producer was Ian McIntosh. If you're new to the show, we'd love you to subscribe and come back for more and feel free to leave us a review if you can. I'll be here again tomorrow. See you in the morning. The Athletic.